Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. You know, I was thinking the other day um, about back when the pandemic was really ramping up and Stephanie Meyer had just announced the uh, official release of Midnight Sun. And probably four days before that happened, I had gone on a very long-winded rant to my dear friend Emmy about how terrible Stephanie Meyer treated Jacob throughout all of Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. Um, And little did I know what that would turn into because we have now successfully finished the first three books in the Twilight series. We only have one main series book left, followed by Midnight Sun, and soon we, we won't be reading Twilight anymore. Not only that, it's not going to be 2020 anymore. In fact, by the time this episode comes out, uh, it will be 2021. But we will still, unfortunately, be reading Twilight. Uh, so, my name is Sarah. I'm the leprechaun that lives in her closet. That is Amelia. Emmy M. Uh, the legendary, the one and only. Um, and as of right this moment, it is December 30th of 2020. We are almost done with this hell year. Are you excited? I don't think I have the emotional capacity to feel excitement. <laughs> oh my God. To be honest. Well, I do. And uh, we are almost done. We just have a new COVID strain now. Yeah, there's That's a all new we COVID have. strain coming in from the UK. Um, it's already here. Yeah. We I'm... have our first diagnosed case in Colorado. This is why people just need to stop traveling. Apparently, and... the guy hadn't even traveled and hadn't been in contact with anyone who traveled, meaning that it's been here for like time. <laughs> I mean, what we also have to keep into consideration is that maybe he didn't con- wasn't in contact with anyone who traveled, but he might have been in contact with someone who was in contact with someone who was in contact with someone who was in contact with someone. But that's the thing; that means it's been here for for yeah, some at least time. a couple of weeks. Like it's not; yeah. it doesn't have to be like because I mean, I you know work in retail, and so I was in contact with people today who have probably been in contact with, been in contact with, been in contact with, you know a lot of a lot of different people it's impossible this is why people need to stop sticking their tongues in each other's mouths when they first meet you're right the old american custom of sticking your tongue inside someone's mouth the first time that you meet them i did have this running joke with a group of my friends that the first time you meet someone you must kiss them on the mouth like that is how you greet someone or welcome them into your home. So Oh god, I should teach that to my little brother. <laughs> he would do it too. I know. He would believe me. Yeah, you'd be like you give him a big old mouth kiss the first time you meet them, uh, just to show your appreciation for them and, and who they are. All right, we've For our things. audience for our audience at home, my little brother, uh, I can convince him of almost anything. It started out as me making really smart-ass comments like that were so outlandish that obviously they wouldn't be true, and he believed them anyways, and so... <laughs> Wait, you can convince him of anything, but he doesn't believe that you're a woman. 
I'm not very convincing. <laughs> I was, I, I have to tell you this story. I was, when I was at work today, uh, my coworker looked like he, he asked me, Hey, so I saw you with someone at the store the other day. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, that wasn't your husband, was it? And I was like, no, that was not my husband. And he was like, yeah, they were a very tall person and, and like kind of big and like a little beefy. I, and I remember you said your husband was really skinny. And I was like, yeah, that was my friend Amelia. And he goes, oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. She's a woman. And I was like, yes. And he was like, is she um, tough? I've threatened to beat the shit out of people on this podcast for the past few weeks even better. <laughs> so funny. Is she tough? Huh? I said she's transgender. Okay, she's too big. She's a, she's a big big strong lady and he was like, "Okay, okay. I'm really sorry. Like I wasn't trying to be offensive or anything." And I was like, "It's okay. You didn't know. It's like you're not trying to be mean or anything." And I said, physically, she might be tough, but emotionally, she is very limp. (laughs) Oh, it's sad because it's true. (laughs) Oh, my God. It made me laugh so hard when he asked if you were tough. That's the that's the new way you this ask if ha- someone is trans. You just this is... <laughs> is she tough? <laughs> Are they trans? Is she tough? And just like, uh, do you listen to Girl in Red? Is the coded question for her, you a woman that loves women? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh God. <laughs> it probably doesn't help that I don't wear very feminine clothing. If I'm not like, I just don't actually. Yeah. I only did it a few times, and it's when I was going out with my uh, my recent uh, involved person that I was involved with. The broad with. you were seeing? The broad I was seeing. Um, <laughs> but I'm just not comfortable enough to go out by myself like that. <laughs> well, you'll you'll get you'll you'll become comfortable and confident in you, uh, and becoming more comfortable in being both pretty and tough. I was say, and then I'll be a tough, pretty lady. <laughs> and then you'll be a tough, pretty lady. Oh, God. It was just, like, it was so innocent. Because, he, again, he wasn't trying to be offensive or anything. He was just genuinely, like, confused. By I the... was hoping it was going to be, the question was instead going to be, is she single? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's gay. He's very gay. That was the other thing about it, was that he was like, I swear... I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm in the community. I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> so, oh um, God. we had mentioned before that we wanted to talk about, you know, what's going to come next. 
uh, after we finish Twilight because we have now finished three books and um, we have two books left. We have Breaking Dawn and Midnight Sun. And once we finish that, it will then be 2021 and we won't even be reading Twilight anymore. So we wanted to get ahead of everything now so that the changes that are going to happen when this book series is over don't like come as a huge shock to anyone um, because we don't want anyone to be like chased away because they have no idea what this podcast is that's in their feed because we will be doing a name change and basically an entire rebrand um, after we finish the Twilight series. The show won't be changing. It'll still just be us reading books, shitting on them relentlessly, and trying to pull goodness and meaning out of them. But we will have a new name, we will have some new artwork, um, and that'll probably be happening in the springtime. Um, you know, after we finish the final two books in the Twilight series, do a little wrap up, and, uh, you know. We haven't decided quite yet what the next series is going to be. We have a couple of contenders. One is definitely a very strong contender um, at this point, but we haven't fully decided exactly what it's going to be at this point. Um, but it will continue. Have no fear. We will continue doing the show after we finish Twilight. We just got to... If, if you have ideas for things you'd like us to do... At the end of the episode, we plug the places you can reach us. So just listen to that if you haven't before and find out how to reach out to us online. And then you can do that. Yeah, I know a lot of people probably sign off from the episode as soon as we finish talking about the, uh, the chapters. Um, but we do give you information on how to find us on Twitter and um, both our both the podcast account and our personal accounts as well as information about coffee and and stuff like that um but so our, our do you want to say what our what the new title of the show is going to be or do we want to wait uh i'll say it so okay. uh took this you see sarah just kept calling twilight a literary masterpiece <laughs> i did and so we thought what if we called our show literary masters yes so we will be the literary masters uh, fighting our way through the battlefield that is young adult literature. Uh, every <laughs> Come into your ears every week uh, with a new source of pain. Uh, and I'm very excited. We've got some artwork that we are commissioning right now from the same artist who, who did our current artwork. Um, my, my friend, my dear friend Rowan, uh, she's absolutely wonderful. I'll have to see if she wants us to like plug her Twitter because she doesn't really, she doesn't tweet a lot of art. She really only puts her art on her Instagram. So, um, should we just plug her Instagram then? Yes, but I don't know how to pronounce it. So I'm going to ask her and then we will plug it, you know, as soon as we get the artwork ready to go. Um, or I could plug her in next episode since we already have artwork from her originally. Um, so there's going to be a lot of fun yet to come. I'm really, really excited. Um, there might be some subtle format changes just because, 
you know, when you do a whole change, sometimes you want to see what's going to work and what's not what's not going to work. But for the most I might part, decide to just be a man. You're not going to just be a man. No, I'm not. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you could. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Um, Twilight has definitely defined this year in so many ways for me. I tweeted the other day that I felt like I hadn't read anything all year. And then I remembered that I have read over a thousand pages of Twilight this year. So, um, I, I am more or less ready to leave this, uh, dumpster Dumpster fire. fire. Yes. (laughs) Uh, That unity. (laughs) We are in sync. (laughs) <laughs> but before we get to that point we have to discuss capitalize the f- dumpster yeah <laughs> the final uh few chapters of eclipse uh the episode after this one is going to be a wrap-up episode and then a discussion of the movie what i hope that that can all be one episode but it might just be two episodes again brandon said he wants to join us again for the movie so i'm excited um he had said when we were we're not going to do this series so i'll just say it he wanted us to do artemis fowl because he was really into it when, when when he was young and he was like yeah and if you read artemis fowl then i can do the movie episode with you and i was like we're not gonna read a whole series of books just so that you can watch one movie with us <laughs> like i love you but like if you're not, not that reading, much. Yeah, if you're not reading the book, I'm not going to read all of Artemis Fowl just for you. We're trying to pick book series that are that were very, very popular, but also pretty garbage, much like Twilight. I'm sure we'll run out of them eventually, and we'll have to just pick something that was actually decent. But for now... Or we'll just have to go into newer shit. Yeah. That's shit. Because <laughs> there's to- no... Yeah. There's no end to bad young adult literature coming out. We might have to pick something, I guess more so, we might have to pick something that neither of us has read if we get through all the bad series that we've already read. Yeah, but that could uh, be a new experience. That's fine. Yes. Um, but in the meantime, uh, now that we have gone over all of that stuff, did you have anything else you wanted to say before we jumped into the, the summaries for this week? I'm gay. No shit. <laughs> I own my my Zoom background is a picture of Aerith and Tifa from Final Fantasy VII holding hands. My my Zoom background is a picture of Todoroki, Deku, Bakugo, and Kirishima holding out bouquets of flowers to me because I love them very much and they love me. Do they love you? Yes. Shut up. Anyway, so um, let's get into it then. Chapter 22 starts off with Bella being super cold, so Jacob forces his way into her sleeping bag to warm her up. When she starts to doze off, Jacob and Edward have a long-winded conversation about how much they both love her and want what's best for her. It's really sappy and over the top and is also pretty unrealistic, but fine, I guess we have that knowledge now. Um, I hated this whole chapter was just like stupid because Jacob and Edward would never talk to each other this way. And it's like super expository. Like they, like they talk uh, like 
they're just like talking in the tent with Bella awake to like listen to them. Like it says, she says that she's like dozing off, so like she's probably like got her eyes closed and you know whatever. But she hears the whole con, the very long conversation that they have. It definitely feels like something where she wanted to switch perspectives just so Bella wasn't awake for it. But she also hadn't broken that it's all Bella's perspective thing in the series yet. So yeah. she didn't. But she still wanted... It's it's real weird. I was thinking about it because I'm like, she's half asleep and yet she's this coherent. Because she's like, I don't really understand what's happening. But she's still somehow delivering line for line the conversation yeah. that's happening to us as the readers and I'm like what it just didn't it also just like did not strike me as realistic at all that those two would have that conversation like they are very open and honest with each other being like I love her I know you do but I love her too and all this stuff I just didn't like it I also like I hate the fact that Jacob like forced his way into her sleeping bag I literally wrote here hey Bella you know how you're freezing to death and I'm like boiling hot all the time why don't you let me warm you up like, he didn't have to get in the sleeping bag. He could have just, like, been beside her. Like, he would have to cuddle her. Like, there's no way of getting around that. He asked that. to take his, if she wanted him to take his clothes off. Yeah. And, and if he, she wanted to take her clothes off. Yeah. Honestly, bless Edward. Oh, Yeah. The fact that he stayed cool and composed this whole time, but then also the fact that he keeps being snarky and rude towards uh, Jacob, I appreciate it. Jacob uh, deserves much worse than the snark he's getting from Ed. Yeah. So Jacob and Edward, like, they come to this conclusion during the conversation that Bella has, like, a mighty martyr complex. And it's really stupid because it's super obvious that she's had it the entire book series. But, like them coming to that conclusion is very needed because the fact that they hadn't like talked about that before is like it felt like we were missing out on a really important detail here because everybody seems to forget all the time how self-sacrificing she is she literally at the end of the first book was like eh, what's better than dying for somebody you care about <laughs> yeah she was like i i could think of much worse ways to go than to die for somebody i care about um, Jake makes some comment during this chapter that if he was when he's talking to Edward, he says that if Edward had never come back, then Bella would have just healed and gotten better. And given the context we have from this section when Bella has her whole revelation, I hate to admit it, but he's right. Like, yeah, I it, from. Jacob's point of view on the entire situation hasn't been wrong from the start. Mm -hmm. He's been right about everything from the start. It's not that he's been wrong about anything. It's just that he's been going about yeah. everything wrong. It's He saw everything clearly and decided to be a complete douche canoe about it. Yes, absolutely. And we get the... We finally get the... Like I said, we finally get the revelation in this section that he is completely right later we'll talk about it but in it, it this whole section kind of kills me because we realize so much that if the cullens had just stayed away like if alice hadn't had her vision of bella falling off the cliff then none of this ever would have happened like if edward had made good on his promise to just like never come back then 
granted, I'm not entirely convinced that they could have defeated the entire newborn army on their own. Because Victoria would have, I don't know, I don't remember for sure the timeline of events, but I think she would have made the army whether or not the Cullens came back. Because it was all about getting at Bella. It wasn't just about the Cullens, you know. And so I, I can't be sure, but, you know. Granted, if the Cullens weren't there, I don't know. Would she need the army? Would she need the army? Or if the Cullens weren't there, I don't know if the Vulturi wouldn't have stepped in sooner. Because it's kind of implied that the Vulturi kind of let the army, like, run out of control for a little while. We'll get to it. Um, Because they don't care about the Cullens. So I don't know for sure. But, like, it makes me sad because he's, he's not wrong. Anyway, that's the end of chapter 22. Chapter 23, uh, Bella wakes up and Ed has to remove Jake from her before he crushes her in his sleep, Um, which almost leads to a fight in the tent when Jacob falls out of the sleeping bag and flips his shit. Uh, Jake ends up storming off eventually, and so then Ed and Bella just start talking, and the conversation ends up going to marriage. And then Jacob's releasing raging cries out into the night, um, or early morning, I guess, uh, and running away because he was listening. And so then Bella starts to blame herself for everything that's happening to Jake emotionally, which isn't her fault. God damn it, Bella. Yeah, uh, and then bla- Ed, Ed blames himself. Which, honestly, he's kind of right. Uh, And then he goes to get Jake. (laughs) Um, And then when him and Jake come back, Ed takes Seth. uh, He says they have to go deal with a complication uh, while Jake and Bella talk. And then in a scene that honestly uh, topped the sexual assault scene for me in terms of worst scenes in this book. Oh, yeah. Trigger warning. This is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jake manipulates Bella into kissing him by threatening to basically commit suicide via vampire newborns mm-hmm. um, to solve the problems that they're having. Basically, he's just like, you don't want me. You want to be with him. There's all these problems with, uh, with the three of us, so maybe I should just let myself die down there. Um... And so then she ends up kissing him and figures out that she loves him and admits it. (laughs) Do you want to give your notes on the beginning of the chapter first? Before we get into all of that, uh, Bella is like, I can't get out of Jacob's arms while they're still in the sleeping bag. And Edward is like, I could help you. And he says, like, do you want me to take his arms all the way off? And it <laughs> that just made me laugh really hard. I love it when Edward is sassy. He's so great. Oh, hold on, that reminds me of something from the chapter before. Mm-hmm. Jake started growing his hair back out uh, because he thought Bella liked his hair more when it was long. And... Uh, because of that he's shaggier than the other wolves when they transform and i'm like how does the hair on the top of your head translate to the hair all over your body it's magic honestly i don't hate that it's like it's fine to me 
Because it's not that it's like especially bad. I'm just yeah. I logistically, know it seems strange. It is very odd, but I I don't mind. It makes it makes it make sense as to why they all chopped their hair off during New yeah. Moon. Because she never explained. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. You had a note here about the marriage discussion. Yeah. So. Ed, oh no, I had a fight. I had another note about the fact that these almost oh, yeah. fights that keep happening in this book are so fucking cringe. Because when Jake jumps up, he's like snarling at Ed while Ed's crouched across the tent from him, like with his claws at the ready. I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's really <laughs> bad. Because well, basically what happens is Edward unzips the sleeping bag. So Jacob like kind of falls out of the sleeping bag and he's like, Ugh, why are you waking me up? And so he rolls back over and he rolls on top of Bella and Bella's like, Ugh. so Edward grabs Jacob and like throws him away from Bella because he's going to crush her. And then Jacob gets really pissed off. And so they almost fight about it. And but they're just like snarling each other yeah. crouched across the from one another really in a weird. Bella says at one point in this section, I don't know when, so I'm just gonna say it now. She says that she wishes she could growl. This has this has peak kid who thought they were a werewolf in middle yes! school energy. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Just growl. It's fine. Everybody else is. Well, the thing is, like, she says, like, I wish I could growl, as though, like. Like the vampires, do they have a special growl that they do? Like, is it they not? Hiss. Yes, but is I can hiss. What are you talking about? I've hissed many times. I used to be that weird maybe, Tumblr emo. Maybe they they do like like a little rolled R purring with their hiss, and she just doesn't know how to roll her R's. <laughs> And on I, that point, like, I get you, Bella. I can't roll my R's either. I, got, I know. I got tongue skills, but I don't got that tongue skill. Bella can't roll her R's. That might be a title. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. okay. So, Ed knew Jake was listening in on their conversation and led into the marriage thing that upset him so much and made him run off. So, like... At least when Ed blames himself, it's justified because, mm-hmm. like, he actually shouldn't have done that. Bad move. What confused me is that Jacob already knows that Bella plans to become a vampire. So why does the marriage make it worse? Because to this point... Well, you see, because then he'll actually be... She'll actually be his property. <laughs> To this point, and I realized this at the end of Eclipse when she was talking to Jacob about it, um, she never explains the situation with the Volturi. Nope. Like, and the, and the thing is, <clears throat> all of this, like, tension and the issues where they were like, they can't change a human or it'll be in violation of the treaty. If they were like, hey, yo, the Volturi are going to come murder her if we don't turn her into a vampire... I feel like that would solve a lot of the issues, but they never explain yeah. that. But I also think that part of the problem would be if they did that, then Jake being the dumb idiot that he is would just be like, well, we can just kill the Volturi. 
I would like to think that Sam, given his like allegiance with Carlisle to this point, would have the head on his shoulders to be like. That seems like no. a bad idea. Yeah, like I feel like if Car- if Carlisle being Carlisle's the, scared of them. Yeah, being the most level headed, and they even like have Carlisle and Edward down on the reservation at one point, uh, towards the end. I feel like he would be like, "Oh wait, no, Carlisle is telling us that these are the most terrifying vampires in all of existence." So and could wipe out the Cullen family without thinking yes. about it. Like, they don't want to start a fight with the Cullens. They definitely don't want to start a fight with the Volturi. So, like, I feel like that would solve a lot of the problems. Because Sam, while being kind of an asshat, he is still more mature than the others. Despite what we're supposed to be led to believe about Jacob. Yeah, Jacob does a really bad job of exemplifying that. Yeah. Uh, you know considering what happens at the end of this chapter yeah because uh you know what mature people don't do threaten to kill themselves to get the girl they like to kiss them it's like really messed up and bella is even shocked to find out that that's what he was doing because he doesn't ever say it He's just like, listen, we've got all these problems, so why don't I just, like, go die down there? And then he's like, just say the words. And she's like, okay, come kiss me. And at first, she's really she, she's really put off by the kiss at first because it's, like, exactly the same as it was before. It's rough. She She's not into it. She doesn't want it. But then she kind of, like, flips in the middle of it and is, like, she, like, makes out with him. And... It's like, I feel like this whole scene exists to justify him kissing her before. And the fact that she enjoys it this time is literally just trying to say, like, look, she really does, like, want to make out with him. And that's true. But, like, I mean, she the does. The fact that he was right doesn't justify his actions. Yeah, it really doesn't. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, even, here's the thing. And I don't mean to burst anyone's bubbles out there. But even you if they were. You can be married. Yes. <laughs> You could be married to someone, and if they don't want you to touch them, you do not get to touch them. I would know. I often do not want to be touched. This is too much information, but I'm currently on my period. I am more hormonal than I have ever been on my period right now. That's probably a lie. But I am very hormonal right now, and I don't want to be fucking touched. So guess what? I'm not being touched. I mean, like, obviously we share a bed. So, like, sometimes no, our toes No, he touch. sleeps on the floor. <laughs> we share a bed. So, like, sometimes our toes touch in the middle of the night. Or, like, our arms brush up against each other. But I don't want to be, like, I don't want to be, like, cuddled right now. I don't like it. And it's, like, that's a very valid thing to want. You don't get to, you, like, nobody has the right to touch you just because of their relationship with you and bella realizing that she is in love with jake and that she does want to have like that kind of physical relationship with him doesn't make it okay that he forcibly kissed her five chapters ago yeah it's one of the things where she has to decide that she wants it and then Mm -hmm. it's okay but if she hasn't decided she's wanted it it's not okay yeah 
And Jake's ends justify the means approach to this situation is is not acceptable. The ends do not justify the means here. No. The fact that she got to the real came to the realization that you wanted her to and that you were right doesn't justify your methodology. And honestly, like it makes everything so difficult because then Bella has a complete and utter emotional breakdown because she realizes that she is deeply in love with Jake and she is deeply in love with Edward and she obviously is going to choose Edward. First of all, for her own health and safety, she she has to become a vampire. Like, I feel like no matter what the solution is in this book, she has to be a vampire or she's going to die. Like, <laughs> it's like, it sucks because it just kind of makes all of these stakes kind of pointless. Hey, Smyre, remember that time when the book before this, you set up the fact that she has to be a vampire or die and have given us no outs? Yeah, like, there is no way to end this without her becoming a vampire. She has to, or she's going to die. Like, so even I mean, well, maybe that's the ultimate end, though. She is a martyr. Yeah. But then I even made that statement earlier, because I was like, if she has to be a vampire or she's gonna die. So even if she did that, even if they, like, turned her just to save her, but then she chose Jake in the end, would he even want her? as a vampire like so what's the point why would she choose anyone but edward if she knows that he's still going to love her when she's a vampire and and jacob might not even if he thinks he will maybe she's a furry maybe she's a furry (laughs) you're right maybe she's a furry i'm sad well that's chapter 23. But, yeah, I'm so sad. And I, I think I say it later. Now, I'll, I'll, we'll get to the note. I know I made a note about it. So chapter 24, Bella wallows for a while until Edward gets back. When he gets back, he sees through Seth's eyes that Bella and Jacob made out. And Edward only laughs and is understanding about the whole thing. He reasons that Bella has every reason to love Jacob. And he knows that she will always love Edward more. Um, Bella gets upset and tries to make out with Edward, but he's like, nah. And, like, I respect that. Because he's being understanding and respectful. And then she's like, oh, God, just make out with me, please. And he's like, you don't need to make out with me to spite your feelings for Jacob. It's fine. Yeah, and he, and because she's like, she's like, I want to fuck now. And he's just like, I don't want us to do that specifically to undo like i don't want our first time to be because of jacob yes <laughs> to undo what you did there so like no yeah um then edward... and honestly agree <laughs> oh yeah um edward narrates the fight for bella sorry hold on i think bella's going through a lot right now in her head like she's feeling so conflicted and upset like can you imagine like suddenly realizing like the day after you agree to marry the person that you're with that you are deeply in love with your best friend like i I would i would feel very conflicted as well i mean she's still acting like an an idiot but you know oh shit guys i'm in love with sarah (laughs) (laughs) oh no I think the easy thing there is, I am not in love with you. So I could just be like, honey, no. No, a different Sarah. Oh, a different Sarah. Which other Sarah? 
Oh, there's a third Sarah. There's a third Sarah? There's a third Sarah. Who is it? I haven't found her yet. (laughs) All right. Anyway, Edward narrates the fight for Bella, giving her a play-by-play of all the different groups as they take down the newborn vampires. In the middle of it, he sends Seth away and tells Bella that Victoria has come for them. Bella has a bunch of annoying, I'll-get-to-die-for-him martyr thoughts as he explains the situation. Victoria then shows up with a newborn called Riley, and Seth reappears in time to fight Riley while Edward fights Victoria. It's kind of hit and miss until Bella, she picks up a rock. And I actually don't know if this is true. I think she, like, presses She didn't. Okay, she didn't cut herself. No, because there was no actual reaction. It was that Victoria saw her pick up the rock and put it against her skin. And seeing her do that distracted her. Yeah. But there was no actual blood spill. Okay. Um, But so she distracts Victoria long enough for Edward to take her out. And the only thing, I'm glad that that worked before she did anything, because literally I was thinking the entire time she's, like, picking this rock up and, like, determining her course of action. I'm like, you can literally just give yourself a tiny cut. Yeah, as soon as Victoria smells the blood, she won't be able to control herself. Because she even says that Victoria's eyes are black with thirst. Somebody hand this bitch a present. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody hand this bitch a present. She will cut herself all on her own. She'll get a paper cut. Mm -hmm. Victoria will freak. We've seen... We used that in book one. We can use it again here. Do you really think that we need to fucking cut open your arteries here? Yeah. It's, um... This whole chapter is very odd. Stephanie Meyer really doesn't excel at writing action scenes. No. But I will say, uh... Ed talking to Riley was really fun to read. Yeah. And I wish there was more of Ed fucking with people's heads. Yes. And at the end, he comes back to Bella and he's like, you're not afraid of me? And, like, understandably so. I would be more afraid of him because of the, like, mental manipulation that I just witnessed than for, like, the, like, fighting because they can all do that. But the mental stuff only Edward can do. He was real good at playing... Like, he could, he, Riley and Victoria weren't saying anything. He was just picking all the pieces out of their heads Mm -hmm. and twisting them around. And and he wasn't lying. Yeah. Necessarily. Except what my, better than the, like, the Riley part was good. But then when he was taunting Victoria and telling her, like, oh, you can't leave yet. You can't. And, like, trying to get her to stay. Yeah. So that he could kill her. I was just like, wow, Ed. Yeah. I like Where was Ed this in the series killer. sooner? <laughs> Where was this? Yeah, because he basically pulled apart the fact from Riley's head that he was in love with Victoria. And Victoria had convinced him that she was in love with him. But Edward was like, she doesn't love you. Like, she's, on- she's literally only here to avenge her, her past love. Like it's, and then she's gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, she plans to kill you as soon as this is over, and it and it like caught, makes him pause long enough for Seth to like get the drop on him. And there's this part at the end of the chapter where Edward is like, "Uh, oh wait, no, it's it's in the next chapter, so we'll get to it." Um, but yeah, the the chapter was fine. It was kind of nothing, but it was also everything. It was the whole action. It was it was the. The climax yeah. of the book. 
Victoria is dead. It's a thing. Yeah. And Ed went completely unharmed. The whole fight. He wasn't injured at all. Which, yeah. Is Bella didn't see anything that was happening during Ed and Victoria's fight. So she assumed that she had to martyr herself. Yes. But it turns out that all the damage was being done to Victoria. And the other thing was she thought right or she thought Riley had cornered Seth. And because Seth was like laying broken in front of her, except that Seth was just pretending and trying to lure Riley in so that he could Yeah. Hop Seth was up. Just <laughs> pretending to be injured. Which good move. Smart move. Uh, yeah, but Bella just got read all the wrong things from this situation and nothing she did served a purpose. Which I can't really blame her as far as the Seth thing goes because no. like, she has no way of knowing that he's faking it. She can't read his mind the way that Edward can. It's it's less from a uh, from a Bella's perspective it's wrong thing and more from like a reader's perspective. It's like, well that all was just pointless then. Yeah. What was the point of any of this? <laughs> Bella is once again just a witness to everything happening. Like, it feels like every single one of these books is just things happening around her. Not really her what? doing anything. What if the world is just happening around you all the time? You doing okay there, Sarah? Yes. <laughs> I'll never forget the other day you told me that, that Steffi thinks that you're very wise. <laughs> <laughs> like every time, every time you say something ridiculous or stupid, I just think, hmm, how wise. <laughs> she has such a high opinion of you because i've just known you for too long i've heard too many of the stupid things that have come out of your mouth <laughs> i've watched the person that you are like completely unfold from a cringy like middle school emo boy and i just i'm an origami <laughs> tranny i'm an origami tranny I didn't say it. Says uh. <laughs> people don't call trans people trannies. I never would. Never. That's, that's for the audience. Oh, yeah. Cis people don't use the T-slur. It's not okay. Don't call me a tranny. I can call me a tranny. I can also call me a trap. Don't call me a trap. I don't yeah. even call other, I don't even call other uh, trans people traps. Good. Good. But the I call myself chapter. a trap. <laughs> the next chapter, please. This one time, I went to... <laughs> Stop! Oh, <okay>. The next <laughs> chapter! Okay, so Seth and Ed burn the bodies, uh, and Bella just turns into a popsicle statue. Um, Ed finally approaches her and thinks she's terrified of him because she's just been standing there with a rock against her artery, 
for the past <laughs> 20 minutes and how, saw after like, bulging must her veins be like does she just like you know how sometimes you'll see people and they just have like a whole vein going down their arm that's just like sticking out of their skin yes like it's I've, terrifying i've been told that i have very vibrant veins so like anytime i have to have an iv it's pretty easy for like whoever to give it to me however i don't is have it all them. that gay blood running through them yeah really colorful it's it's all rainbowy because of the the gayness inside of me but like do you think she has that do you think she has that big bulging vein on her arm she is really pale Mm -hmm. so probably (laughs) anyway continue um but ed tells her they have to go to the clearing to meet up with the others because the complication is arriving the complication being the vulturi uh they have decided to grace forks with their regal presence um but bella ends up passing out on the way to the clearing because she finds out jacob was hurt which is super stupid like the build-up to saying that it was jacob who was hurt was just like so excruciating like it's so obvious that he's the one who got hurt why else would he avoid saying anything to her do you ever just pass out because your friend got hurt no she's she's a very (laughs) weak constitution she just passed she passed out in the last book in the first book because edward smooched her it wasn't even a a good smooch it was just a, a smooch she would she would not make it through a single day in a DD campaign her constitution is so low i know she wouldn't make it through a single day working in a fast food restaurant she would just <gasps> pass out the hamburger the hamburger popped at me <laughs> god forbid she ever cooks bacon oh no <laughs> anyway i and back to the ed scaring bella thing yes. i I actually just can't tell if it's stupid that he thinks she would be scared of him at this point because these books have broken me. Yeah. I am so confused at this point by what the normal reactions should be by these characters in these books to so, situations that I can't book, tell. She was like, if Edward's a monster, I don't care. In the second book, when she found out Jacob was a werewolf, she screamed for like, what was it, 72 hours? And then <laughs> in this book. No, that was actually the four month period where she just didn't have. Oh, yeah. She was just <laughs> screaming the whole time. Uh, and then in this book, he, she watches him like dismantle someone and she's like, she doesn't react. She's not like afraid of, of anything at all. And like. To be f- I can kind of. Get I wouldn't it. be. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't be afraid of my vampire uh, partner killing another vampire because the other vampire was trying to kill me. She literally watched vampires fight before. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. Yeah. Well, granted, in the first book, she was mostly unconscious for it. And then in the second book, they didn't actually fight, that was just a movie thing. Oh, that's right. It was only in the movie. Yeah, in the book, they just had a really tense conversation. You know, it's it's unfortunate that uh, Smyre can't write action scenes or tense conversations. 
Because she keeps trying to do both. Yeah, and it's not really working. I don't get the tension in a lot of these scenes. It just feels very cringy to me. It's... And I want to attribute it to the time period, but, like, there's plenty of wonderful books from that time period. Like, wonderful young adult books. It's not just, like, because it's young adult. It's because there's never any stakes. And Mm -hmm. I think we talked about that before. The complete lack of stakes that we feel... When reading these books, I think, is what makes the conversations lack any tension. Like, we know about the Volturi. We met them once. We know they're here. We know they want Bella to turn. But, like, we also know that they can be reasoned with. So the fact that she isn't changed yet, but we do know that they're changing her and they've set a date just kind of undermines any sense of tension we would have from that meeting we're just i'm just gonna feel like yeah especially because okay (laughs) jane shows up and she's like oh you're not a vampire yet and they're like we're gonna do it and she's like okay yeah it if they don't have any the only reason the vulturi show up in this book is because of the vampire army if they don't like put themselves near something like that ever again who's to say the vulturi ever show up again in bella's human lifetime they probably wouldn't yeah oh so so the point but bella does wake up before they get there yes we should get to that um and she's told that jacob is going to survive uh but there's a newborn vampire that they allowed to live because she surrendered yeah and stopped fighting um and she has a lot of trouble not eating Bella. Heads against her head, screaming about how she doesn't know how they're not biting the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but she manages to restrain herself, which I think is very impressive considering the uh, yeah. information we've been given on newborns. The this fact is the, that she. The character the novella is based on. Yeah, Brie. Brie. Yeah, she. Uh, considering that she is all hyped up on human blood. And hasn't had to restrain herself at all, and is still managing to do so, is impressive. It is. I do Um, think it's out of the fear for her own life, though, because she's faced with... Well, they've said it overrides everything else. That's true. The hunger. I mean, fucking Jasper did it. That's a good point. So, there has to be something else there to it. Garbage on milk. Maybe. Um, It's Smire. I don't expect anything. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So the Volturi arrive and tell Carlisle that he doesn't get to show mercy. Uh, The newborn has to die for breaking the rules. And then there's lots of vague threats and insinuations about stuff. Yes. That's about as detailed as it gets, honestly. Um, And then Jane tells them Arrow, Arrow will know about Bella still being human. And Alice is like... We have a date set, and she's just like, okay, like you said. Yeah, she's just like, okay. And then she has uh, Felix, I think, uh, kill Brie, the newborn. Yeah. And they leave. And I'm just like, that? I don't know. It's, I don't actually know what the fuck is happening between the Cullens and them, because there's vague threats and insinuations in their words. But none of them are very clear. The The concept seems to be that the Volturi would like 
the Cullens to get fucked, which is precisely why they showed up later than would have been necessary to help the Cullens yeah. fight. Um, in which case, it seems really dumb to kill Bree because the Volturi make the rules and they don't have any requirement to enforce them except at their own discretion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels like it's meant to just be cruelty. Yeah. Like they're killing her just for the sake of killing her. But if the Cullens want to get rid of, or if the Volturi want to get rid of some of the Cullens, then wouldn't the better option be to let Carlisle take responsibility for the newborn, like he says, and then any future mistakes she makes can be pinned on the Cullens? Yeah. It feels... Worst case scenario, they gain another vampire if it works. It feels to me like they're putting on (laughs) airs about following the rules. Like, so, okay. So they've said before that uh, Carlisle used to be good friends with Arrow and Caius and Marcus. Um, Oh, you remember the other names. Good job. I I did. (laughs) Um, But they are very put off by him, and I get the feeling that they're a little bit disgusted by him. Like, they, like, Carlisle's the gay son. Like, does that make sense? Like, they they don't hate him. Carlisle's the gay son of a gay threesome. No, 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 no. They're not gay. They're, they're the straight family members who have a gay son. And they don't want the gay son to die, but they so don't like, want him under So, like, one of them's the dad, the and the other two are uncles. Yes. So, <laughs> so, in this scenario, basically, the way I see it is, like, they technically the the Volturi don't have the only way that they maintain control like you said is by them setting these rules and enforcing them to the point that they follow them as well um which is why they've kept Volterra so secure and like safe from other vampires um but to me it feels like they know the Volturi know that the Cullens have the strictly best way of living. It might not be the most luxurious way, but it's the way that they can exist freely and safely within the human world without causing any suspicion or without, you know, they can live in one place for a long period of time with everybody knowing who they are without anyone ever feeling weird about them being there. And while I'm sure they prefer the way that they live in Volterra, other vampires might not. And if the Cullen clan or coven becomes too big, then there's really nothing keeping the Volturi from falling to the Cullens if the Cullens decided to turn on them. We know that they wouldn't, and it isn't until Breaking Dawn, the second half of Breaking Dawn, that it would even be possible for the Cullens to overcome the Volturi because of Bella's ability. But they could. They could stage an uprising against the Volturi, and they would have a pretty good shot about it. Jasper's a great fighter. Emmett's big. Alice can see the future. Edward can read minds. You know, they've got a lot going for them. And so it's they're basically like rival families to the point where the Volturi probably just feel the need to set an example that none of the Cullens are going to be able to break the rules and if Bree were to live under their roof then they were going to break the rules so there's no reason 
for anyone to, I guess, side with the Cullens over the Volturi in the vampire world, at least. It doesn't... The only problem with that is it definitely does not seem like the Cullens are likely to grow very large, considering how many vampires we've met that do not enjoy that lifestyle. That is true. However, I think... Well, like we said when we were reading the first book and the rogue vampires were like but what do you eat and we were laughing because we were like does it not occur to them that they can just drink animal blood and not have to eat human beings or kill human beings there might be vampires out there who genuinely are like wait I can survive off of just eating deer I don't have to kill human beings as well as we have to keep in mind that the Volturi is only 14 vampires. With the addition of Bella, the Cullens are eight. Plus the, uh, like, I think five vampires in the uh, Denali clan, which are currently... The 13. Thir- the 13 total. Oh, yeah. So it would be 13. So, like, and the Denali clan is kind of on the outs with them right now because of Laurent, but... That's beside the point. Um, You have to consider that, like, because of the way that vampires live and their nomadic nature, the Cullens are the biggest coven outside of the Volturi. And the Volturi is only 14. The Volturi still have an advantage, though, because the Volturi... The Volturis. uh, The Volturi drink human blood. That is true. human blood makes you stronger. So they have 14 that are going to be stronger. That is true. I think that the Cullens would have... I mean, with the addition of Bella, the Cullens definitely would have the tactical advantage. Tactical advantage. Because, because, and we'll obviously talk about it when we read Breaking Dawn, but Bella's ability makes it so that no one on her side of the field is affected by anyone else's abilities, but everybody on the other side of the field is affected by her friend's abilities. So, All they need to do is get a werewolf to help them out, and then Alice can't see the future. <laughs> I don't think that they would do that, though. Yeah, I don't think there's any werewolves that would help them, considering the werewolves are specifically against vampires yeah. like them. And- okay, all I'm saying is, you know it would be a lot more interesting of a story set in this world is for... Because, okay, there are so many moral issues to question coming with the whole Volturi situation, aside from the fact that they eat people. Um, Yeah. I mean, to begin with, it would be a lot smarter to just, like, keep some people on hand and drain their blood periodically, like, when you give blood. Uh, It would be a lot less obvious, require a lot less cleanup and work overall. They're, They're really inefficient. It's like we talked about with the Vladimir Todd books where he, the like teenage vampire, like gets blood bags from his aunt from the hospital. It's just really, for people that have been set up there for centuries trying to do this shit, they're really inefficient about it. They could literally just open up a blood bank and just pay people for their blood. And like, they don't have to say it's for a vampire, just say it's a blood bank and people won't question it. They could even donate some of the blood too, like most of the blood and just like keep some of it under the table. Okay, point being... There are so many issues to consider with that, considering they, like, bring in people and just murder them on a moral level, especially because, like, imagine the tie-ins with, like, human trafficking and shit. Oh, yeah. So, like, you could have 
the story of the Cullens being like, wow, the things they're doing are really fucked up on a deep level. We need to stop them. And then having the story being about the Cullens trying to, like, infiltrate and stop them. I just remembered. We've recently gotten more details about the new Stephanie Meyer book series. We have? Yes, it's a trilogy of books called Moonchild. And it stars Renesmee and uh, Jacob. And the Vulturi (sighs) are going to be the main villain. So what if that's what that series is about? Thank God, honestly, because the fact that we just have to passively accept the things that the Volturi do in this series yeah. is distressing. It is, yeah, it is really <laughs> awful because even like Edward is like, just don't look, just don't like. It's like it's like they're literally just averting their eyes to what the Volturi are doing, and I get that they technically can't really do anything about it because once again, the Volturi have the numbers and. And there is something to be said about the fact that the Volturi, even though they are killing people, they are maintaining the balance of not too many people around the world just being killed by vampires. Yeah, they're keeping ruthless slaughter from happening everywhere. Yeah, which the Cullens wouldn't do, because that's not... It's If you are going to overthrow an authoritarian body, you better have some kind of plan for what's going to come afterwards, because you can't or just... Or chaos. Ha- yes, you can't just have no government. Well, you could. Actually, the smartest, <laughs> the best thing the Cullens could do is find different groups of werewolves and ally with them and use them as a vampire enforcement group. I would, oh, that would be so good. Because we know that the Quileets would help. Oh, yeah. They'd just be like, wait, we get to hunt down evil bloodsuckers? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Look, you get to ally with these eight bloodsuckers that you know are okay. Like, you fought with them, you know they're all right, but you get to hunt down as many other ones as you want, and we'll help you. We... Okay, Harley Quinn. <laughs> Sorry, I got, I got really into it there. <laughs> okay, chapter 26. Chapter 26. We've been on this tangent for I know. a little bit. It went a long time. Alice and Bella are back at the Collins place, solidifying their sleepover alibi. They talk about why certain vampire abilities work on Bella while others don't. And Alice concludes that abilities that only affect the mind, such as Edwards and Jane's, which we spoke about before, that Jane doesn't actually put you in pain. She just, like, has the pain receptors in your mind go off to make you think that you're in pain. Um, Those don't work, but abilities that affect the body or the entirety of the person, like Jasper, who just makes you feel certain things, and Alice, who can just kind of see the future, generally speaking, um, still work for some reason. I don't know why. Okay, but here's the thing that's weird about that is by that logic, pretty sure Jane's power should work because it would work under the same concepts that Jasper's power works under. I don't understand, unless Jasper literally physically, like, calms your blood pressure. So unless Jasper's power is only related to your physical reactions to the way that you feel, which it could be, they just haven't described it very well, that doesn't make any sense. And But in, like, in order to make your body think it's in pain when there's no pain, Jane is still activating physical parts of the body. Well, No. You can, so it's hard to explain, um, but it's, it's much like, uh, so 
Phantom limb, Phantom I guess. limb, basically. So, like, okay. people who have had limbs amputated can still feel very real pain in that limb. It's just the pain. The well, limb the isn't receptors, even there. The receptors are still in the brain yeah, the rece- for and that so limb. That's where that is coming from with Jane. So, But that's a physical part of your brain, isn't it? Yes, it is. But that's what I'm saying. So it's still the physical I, body. I don't know. I think it might just be making you think that you're in pain. I don't know. I don't know, okay? I didn't write this the is book. So, but, okay, but that's the problem. Is like Jane's is so easily comes down to being the same thing as Jasper's. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that when Stephanie Meyer wrote Twilight and she had the scene, because there's only just the one scene, in the hotel where Jasper like made Bella feel good or whatever, like he like calmed her down. I don't think she was thinking that far ahead because I think in the first book it was more meant to just be that only Edward's power didn't work on her, but then the world and then she grew. had to keep finding ways to justify. Yeah. So, because the world grew and you had so many different characters with, like, their abilities and stuff like that, I think it was, and I think, the honestly, the Jane thing was probably just, like, she thought it would be cool. You know what I mean? Like, she was literally just, like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if Bella wasn't affected by Jane's power or Arrow's power or whatever? Since Arrow, since Arrow has basically the same power as Edward, except he has to touch you. I don't know. Jane's power, Jane would be much more intimidating if, it would be actually be more interesting if Jane could affect Bella. Mm-hmm. If they okay, were like, oh, anyways. Jane's power is just like Jasper's, so it works. Uh, Alice then comforts Bella because Bella has to choose between two good things, Edward and Jacob, while Alice only ever had Jasper. I mean, thank you, Alice, but also, Bella, she doesn't have, she's not choosing. Like, I mean, yes, she's technically choosing, but it's like, it's like when you're presented with, oh, would you like a million dollars? Or would you like a million dollars and then the Volturi kill you? <laughs> well, okay, because she does, she does say that she loves Jacob less. So it's more like yeah. being presented, do you like, a, would you like a million dollars? Or would you like $500,000 and then the Volturi kill you? Yeah, and then the Volturi kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. So it's like, it's a nice sentiment and she's like, I like that Alice is recognizing that she understands that Bella does love both of them, but she does love Edward more. Like, I th- but again, I think a lot of it comes down to she loved Edward first and she trapped herself in the thought that she would never love anyone else ever again. Yeah, to be fair, if, if for say, say she had a year after this to process it and deal with it, she could find out that she preferred Jacob. We don't know. Yeah. But not if Jacob keeps acting the way he's been acting in this book. That's... Honestly, not after this book, period. Yeah. Not no. after this book. Not after this book. She, I don't think she would ever <laughs> choose Jacob. Um, and she asks Edward, she's like, what would you do if I wanted to, to be with Jacob? And he was like, I mean, yeah, you can go be with Jacob. And she was like, but I don't. just wanted to ask. So Bella heads <laughs> home to see <laughs> So I just wanted to know. Bella heads home to see Charlie, who talks to her about Jake's injuries, which Charlie was told were caused by a motorcycle accident. Charlie reveals that Jake is awake, then tells Bella about his day with Billy, during which they heard a bunch of wolf howling, and Charlie was all scared. Uh, He says Carlisle and Edward came down to La Push to look after Jake, and Edward was really worried about him, which means he's a good guy, actually. 
Charlie then tells Bella that he's got a really strange feeling like he's going to lose her soon, which honestly, like, broke my heart when I was reading it. Um, Bella promises to tell him before she leaves. Okay. So the thing about Jake waking up is I'm pretty sure that literally pages before this, Alice told Bella that they were going to, uh, that Edward and Carlisle were going to call if Jake woke up. And she gets home and Charlie's, yeah, like, Jake woke up. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know. I think. What? It, and, but it wasn't even played like anyone was trying to keep it from her or anything. It was just like she completely forgot that this was a thing she wrote. Yeah. Um, it's either that or they were just like, oh, Charlie's on his way home. He'll just tell her. Which, you know, she doesn't have a cell phone. So she just walked in the door. And he told her that he was awake. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Anyway, <laughs> so Bella heads down to the push to see Jake. He apologizes for leaving immediately after kissing her and is upset to find out that Edward was, was like, chill about it. He's really like, oh, he wasn't mad. He wasn't mean to you about it. And she's like, no, he was way too understanding. Like, I wish he had been mad. Uh, Bella asks Jacob if it's better or worse that she knows she's in love with him but is still going to pick Edward. And honestly, like, Yeah. Like, I understand her wanting to, like, get to the bottom of that question. Because, like, I don't know if it's better that she knows. Um, he concludes that it's better than her never knowing because at least now he knows he did all that he could to convince her to be with him, which is not much at all. <laughs> but I can, I understand the concept of if she knows and she still chooses to be with Edward, it would be better to put it as... She was aware of her feelings. Yeah. And still chose him, which meant that he never had a, a real chance to begin with. Yes. I, in which I case, agree with that. I would also want to know in that situation. Yeah. The problem it, is the context. <laughs> it, it does. And, 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 and I, I do agree because, like, if she, you know, had never figured it out or whatever, and he just, like, never knew if there was ever a chance for them to be together, or he always felt inside of him that if she had just figured it out, then they could be together. Um,. I, I get that perspective, but also he just acted like a huge asshole to her the whole book. If he had been, like, kind and sweet and considerate and not a fucking predator, then she probably would have figured it out a lot sooner. But, you know, that yeah. unfortunately didn't <laughs> uh, Jake is mean because Bella tells him to be, and then she cries about it. Um, Jake says he's going to let Bella go and stop cutting her in half like King Solomon and the baby or whatever. Um, okay, so Bella being in love with Jacob is really sad. And I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it now because I made a note about it. It feels like all of my feelings during New Moon are literally punching me in the face right now. Because she had the revelation that she could learn to love him and be with him because she even says that she had like visions of them in the future being together and growing old together and there being like little werewolf babies that they had together and she was like and we were right the whole time it's like it kills me because we were right the whole time she loved jake and she could have been happy with him she even admits that if edward hadn't ever showed up if edward wasn't in forks she probably would have just been with jacob 
and it would have been totally normal. Like, they would have had a normal life. Because Jacob never would have been a werewolf. Because the, the vampires wouldn't have been around. So she and Jake could have just been happy together. Which also means Edward's right. Because he's been saying that had he just never been there to begin with, her life would have been better. I mean, yeah, that's been true the whole time. But, like, her having this revelation right now, her being, like, if Edward had never existed, if he had never come along, because she says that, like, she and Jake are soulmates, but she and Edward are more than soulmates, which is just dumb. I don't... We're soulmates squared. Yeah. Um... Oh, oh, it's because Edward's soul got lost, and then it went into Jacob. But because Edward's body was the original bearer of the soul before he got vamped, uh, he counts more. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. That just killed me to read all of that, because I was like... And I get it. I mean, Stephanie Meyer definitely wrote something that made me have feelings. And, like, if that was the goal of this entire thing was to just make you feel upset and angry, then awesome. You did it. (laughs) Um, I would love for her to go back and write the story if Edward had never come back in New Moon. Or if he had shown up to be like, I'm sorry, I want you back. And Bella was just like, no. I'd love for her to go back, write this story, but make Jake not a complete douche canoe. And then see how things play out. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, if if she had just written, rewritten the end of New Moon to have Edward, like, return and her be like, I don't want you. Like, you left me. I'm with Jake. I'm going to be with Jake now. Then we wouldn't have had any of this. And I would have loved to see that story. Um... Let's talk about the King Solomon metaphor because it like it made me so mad because he was like, oh, you know, that guy, they were like going to cut the baby in half. But it was just a test to see like who loved the baby more or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to stop cutting you in half. Bitch, Edward already did that. Okay, because he says I'm going to be even more noble than him. I'm like. How the fuck? This is the equivalent of King Solomon being like, okay, I'm going to cut the baby in half and give one half to each of you. And one person being like, no, give her the baby. Another one being like, yeah, cut that fucking baby in half then. <laughs> and, th- and then she hear like, she processes that the other woman said to give her the baby. She's like, wait, no, uh, you give her the baby. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm also a good person. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was really dumb. Edward already, uh, quote unquote stopped cutting her in half half the book ago he was like no i'm gonna let you have him in your life because you you love him and you you need he's your best friend and stuff like that and jake's just been trying to drive the wedge in deeper ever since yeah and the thing is like edward they say like they multiple times are like edward's playing the game just as much as jake is i see no evidence of edward doing anything to play this game aside from the marriage conversation which like you know whatever aside from that edward never did anything aside from just loving his girlfriend and and if his manipulation tactics are to be a good person and partner then uh 
oh no. Yeah. So this whole time, Edward has been like, he's your friend. I want him to be in your life. <laughs> Obviously, the thing about, like, the cutting in half thing is, like, I assume this is a reference to, like, her having to be dropped off at the border of La Push and all that stuff. But that's the werewolves doing that. Like, they they are the ones who aren't allowing the Cullens onto the reservation so that uh, Bella has to be dropped off to go hang out with her friends. And so I guess I can see him being like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Like, I'm not going to ask you to, like, split your time between us anymore. But it's like, I mean, when you have, I have friends in my life that I split my time with. Besides being with my husband, like I have my husband and then I also have my friends who I hang out with aside from being with him and they're not cutting me in half. It's just like, and it's not that they hate him or anything. He's just annoying, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. My Brandon is also friends with my friends, but um, holy shit. <laughs> It's just, you know, sometimes you spend time with people who aren't your significant other and you spend time with other people, you know? Nope, unacceptable. You're allowed to have one person. One. No. And the rest have to be family. Okay. And if your family sucks, well, sucks to suck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was all dumb. The next chapter. Everything was dumb. This book is dumb. It is dumb. Ed finds Bella on the side of the road crying in her truck after uh, the the Jake break uh, breakup, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, he drives her home uh, and then hides in her room and she goes inside and Charlie kind of figures out what happens but then just lets her go up to her room because Tear's bad <laughs> doesn't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Bella cries herself to sleep next to Ed. And uh, then the next morning, they discuss their similarities to Wuthering Heights characters because Smyre can't stop fucking drawing parallels for five goddamn seconds. And then Bella tells Ed they need to go see Alice. Um, and then Alice is very excited because Bella gives her permission to do the wedding. But uh, Bella gets to maintain veto powers uh, on guest list and other stuff. And she already had Bella's dress custom made because she's fucking crazy. I want to uh, imagine that she had it done before they moved to Forks. I, okay, so my, my theory on this was she had it, I wanted, I want it to be that she had it done the first time she met Bella. Yeah. Like when they were in the cafeteria. <clears throat> Yeah. And she was like, I can tell we're going to be great friends. And she immediately yes. walked out, got on the phone, and was like, I'd like to place an order. <laughs> yes. I mean, but no, she seriously, when the, the fuck did she, she order this dress? And was just waiting when around the, for him. When the fuck did she order this dress? I don't know. <laughs> but props to her for helping design it, because, like, same. So Bella has her ring and everything. Um, and they talk about her, her engagement ring a lot. Um, but none of the other characters, other than I assume, I mean, I assume Carlisle and Esme wear them because they're supposed to be adults. But Emmett and Rosalie and Alice and Jasper, it's never spoken about that they have wedding rings. But they make a huge deal out of Bella's. 
Alice and Jasper makes sense just because Alice is still in high school. She's graduating with them. Yes, that's fine. It's just, I mean, Rose doesn't mean she wouldn't have one though. Yeah. Like she might have it somewhere. Like I imagine because they brought up the ring before. Why wouldn't Alice be like, I have a ring? Maybe they just don't care. Maybe. And Ed cares, especially because it's his mom's ring that he wants her to have. Maybe. I was just having that thought when I read the chapter. I was like, no other ring has ever been mentioned. It could very well just be an Ed thing that he wants it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, Bella and Ed go to the meadow uh, to enjoy themselves. And Bella explains that she's trying to give everyone a good send-off with the wedding. At which point, Ed backs off. And ends their little deal because he doesn't want Bella doing all these things just to make everyone else happy. Um, And so he says he wants to do things her way from now on because he's been wrong about everything anyways. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I mean, he has. So, you know, good on him. He tries to seduce her and fails (laughs) because Bella wants to do things right like the dumb little slut she is so when he was like i love you i want you right now i was i'm not gonna lie i was a little like (laughs) she was just like well they were like laying in the grass right and uh and then edward like leans over and starts making out with her and he's just she's like no no we can't do this right now and sorry my dog is barking um, and so she's like, no, 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 we can't do this right now. And he's like, why? I love you. I want you right now. I was like, oh, 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 that is a bit seductive, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if Brandon said that to me, I would probably say yes, if I wasn't so goddamn hormonal right now. I just couldn't help but laugh at this scene. I understand. It was very funny. We keep having moments where we're like, are they going to fuck? Are they going to fuck? Are they going to fuck? And then it's just, no, they're not going to fuck. Bella said she wants to make sure his soul is safe. Oh, yeah. By waiting until marriage. Oh, Ob- yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't serious. It was obviously her just digging at him, but like... Yeah. God damn. It was very funny. Um, the epilogue. The epilogue is from Jacob's perspective. He and Leah Bicker... He's a dick to her. Uh, to be fair, she kind of deserves oh, it. Oh, yeah. She was being a dick, but he was also being a dick. Everybody was being a dick together. Um, All of our dicks in the center. Go. Yeah. Then he, then Jacob goes home to have dinner with Billy. Edward sent Jake a wedding invitation, which makes Jake so mad he gets up and runs off as a doggo. Yeah, because Bella had said she did not want to invite Jake to the wedding because then he would feel obligated to go. And she doesn't want to make him feel that obligation after everything. Uh, but then Ed's like, I'm sending you this anyways because you have the right to make a decision. Which is very, uh, very Alice in book one and two yeah. of him. <laughs> I, I didn't know how I felt about that. Because, like, she had said that she didn't want to invite him because it would be too hard. But she also wanted him there because he had at one point yeah. said that he was going to be uh her best man or whatever and 
then she was like, no, it'll be too hard for you to be there. But, like, she did want him there. It's just, you know, about it being difficult. So, um, I kind of respect where Edward is coming from. I feel like this is less of a controlling thing and more of a him knowing her thing. Uh, similar oh, yeah. To, yeah sim- Wait, did you think I was... No. Did you think I had a problem with it? Okay, I no. was like, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> it was... It, it felt similar to earlier when Bella told him to break Jacob's jaw. And he was like, no, you're going to regret that later. Similar right now, he is looking at the situation like, you're going to regret it if we have this wedding. You're like, in 50 or 100 years, you're probably going to regret it if you don't invite Jacob. So, yeah, I respected that. But then they were talking about the wedding invitation. And now I maybe I'm not a great example because I tried to go very simple with my wedding. My wedding invitation was just not that you got one um, was just one. Fuck you, too. (laughs) My wedding was a thousand miles away. Not no one who didn't live in Ohio was invited. Actually, no, there were a few people who didn't live in Ohio. They were invited, but they were like blood related. And I had no choice but to invite them. Uh, so I was made a dog sitter. You were a dog sitter. You took care of my doggo and my cat. And not my snake. Because I was living here already. Yeah, the snake was gone. He's now gone. He's living with a friend. He's living with his Uncle John. But anyway. In the great farm in John's house. The great farm in John's house. Um, but... Uh, our like our wedding invitation was just like a card and when they're talking about the wedding invitation like Jake is like oh there's like eight pages on this wedding invitation full of shit that Bella doesn't care about I was like the wedding invitation him analyzing the wedding invitation is like that scene from American Psycho with the business cards (laughs) (laughs) look at this eggshell paper with the fine grain details oh yeah I was like what kind of wedding invitation is this? Did Alice send out novellas to invite people to the wedding? Damn. Yeah. It was. It had like flower petals, like, imp- like watermarked onto the page, printed. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like heavy cardstock. don't understand alice yeah alice doesn't have any chill alice does not have any chill but she needs to find some chill she needs to understand that when she doesn't have any chill bella gets injured (laughs) alice do you love bella or not (laughs) yeah right um well that's the end of eclipse are we done is that the end of the series no oh god why i don't know are you sure i'm positive it's uh can it be no we have two more books to go we're gonna have to we have to watch this movie first of all um and then we have to read breaking dawn watch that movie and then we have to read midnight sun maybe just watch the first movie again oh no oh no but the soundtrack is so good. And the lighting. The blue. The soundtrack is so good. But you know what? We can just listen to the soundtrack. I remember when we were watching New Moon and we were both like, this is the wrong color palette for this movie series. Because it was all like brown and green rather than uh, blue. 
Which I'm pretty sure was meant to be because Wolf, but it still was just weird. It was. Especially, it was really wrong considering that it's set in Forks, which is a rainy overcast place, which means the color palette should be gray and blue. Yeah. And they were like, what if we make it look bright? And I'm like, yeah. no! <laughs> what? I don't know. Fucking that one person sunbathing. Yeah. Like, wh- what? <laughs> Alright, well, um... Do you have any final thoughts before we finish this book and, uh... And move on? Well, we're gonna do a roundup. So you'll have another chance to do final thoughts. I just don't know how I get to the end of each book and make it to the next one. I know. I uh, I, I rediscovered my copy of Breaking Dawn the other day while I was cleaning up some books. And I was like, oh, God. A fresh book. I have book, to pick up a copy. A fresh piece of hell. It's like when you're in the middle of the book, you can rationalize it to yourself. But when you're on the first ten pages of each one of these books, it's like... Oh my god. <laughs> There's just so much of it. There are so many pages in these damn books. Some I, I pick up the books sometimes, and I'm like, it's five chapters. It's only five chapters. Yeah. And then I like pick, I, I find the start page and the end page. I'm like, oh, it's, it's only five chapters that are 120 pages total. Yeah. It's only 120 pages. <laughs> Uh, we had one. I think the last section before this one was only like a hundred pages because she had like and more chapters, more <laughs> chapters, only a hundred pages because she was getting a little more concise, but still not more concise because there. This book was the longest one yet, and Breaking Dawn is about to be even fucking longer. It's over seven hundred pages. Though interestingly enough, now that you say that and I think about it, this book had significantly less fluff. It did. There was a lot more going on in this book. Granted, you had a lot more groups of people that you had to bounce between. So, I mean, you have that crutch of, like, needing to resolve every single conflict in the story rather than it just being the one conflict that... Good job, Smyre. You figured out how to to write something with actual people in it. I don't want to read Breaking Dawn. We're going to, though. I don't want to. Like, this book series is bad, but Breaking Dawn is somehow the bad fan fiction of this bad series. So we read Breaking Dawn, and then we read Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, my God. We read the bad fan fiction, and then we read the bad fan fiction of the bad fan fiction. So, I need you to know that there's... Okay, so we have Twilight, and then we have Fifty Shades of Grey, which was a Twilight fan fiction originally... Then we have, there's this book series called After, which is an erotic romance series um, that was inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey, but it was originally about Harry Styles. So we have that as like the icing on top of all of this cake, okay? So let's, 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 uh, what's, what, what word am I thinking of? Um, um, um. Let's pick apart this this cake, okay? Let's what is it? Where's the mayonnaise? Dissect. Dissect. Okay, let's dissect is this, this. Is this a mayonnaise this, cake? No, it's not the mayonnaise cake. We've got we've got uh we've got after, which was originally a Harry Styles fan fiction inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey, okay? Then we've got Fifty Shades of Grey. Then underneath Fifty Shades of Grey, we have Twilight. 
Then underneath Twilight, we have Stephanie Meyer being inspired to create the character Jacob based on a song by My Chemical Romance. Then underneath My Chemical Romance, we have Gerard Way witnessing 9-11. Then underneath... (laughs) 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 Then underneath 9-11, we have Dick Cheney um, (laughs) failing to eradicate Al-Qaeda out of Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia in the 90s. And then underneath that, we have George H.W. Bush... Uh, pulling out of the first Iraq war because he did <laughs> because and and uh and uh, Bill Clinton also not wanting to participate in the first Iraq war and then underneath that <laughs> a history of colonialism <laughs> like it gets traced back so many fucking layers but the fact that we started with 9/11 and now we're here I'm just like <laughs> wow Thanks to 9-11, we have a book about Harry Styles' erotica. <laughs> the names were changed. It's not actually Harry Styles anymore. His name is Colden. I don't know how to deal with this information. <laughs> it's so fucking funny to me to think that our podcast wouldn't exist if not for 9-11. Considering your obsession with 9-11. I know! <laughs> When I found out that trivia fact, I was just baffled. It was an, it was it was along the same lines as when I found out that like Fallout Boy wouldn't exist without Joe Biden. Like crazy. So Pete Wentz's parents <laughs> Pete Wentz's parents met at a Joe Biden political rally back in the 1980s. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. <laughs> not a joke so if it wasn't for joe biden running for office we wouldn't have pete wentz and then we wouldn't have fallout boy pete wentz's parents must be really happy right now i know right oh my god so thank you america's joe weird. biden and 9-11 no <laughs> 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 No, wait, no, I think it's I think it's okay now. COVID's officially worse for the American public than 9-11, so we're good. COVID is worse every... Listen, I'm deeply obsessed. Every day. I am deeply obsessed with 9-11, and I think it is an incredible tragedy what happened, and I will always be horrified and saddened by that day. Um, however, we experience 9-11 um, every single day of COVID. So... It is a great American tragedy, but what is happening in this country right now supersedes that on a grand scale because it's happening within our own walls. And it is once again, ironically enough, should we point out the as I say, should we point out the irony and the fact that the people that like to use 9-11 as a selling point to get elected um, generally are the same people that don't do anything about covid should we point out the irony in the fact that 9-11 and covid are both tragedies that occurred because of republican ignorance because i could go on all fucking day about that dick cheney knew 9-11 was gonna happen that's not a conspiracy theory he knew something like that was gonna happen and just like fucking donald trump knew that all this covid shit was gonna happen 
Mitch McConnell knew all this COVID shit was going to happen. I was going to say, Mitch McConnell might be the better choice there. I don't oh, think yeah. Trump, really like, he might have been informed, but as to whether or not he actually knew is a whole other question. But don't let me go on too long about this. I've already said too much. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to drive people away now that we are minutes away from the end of this episode. <laughs> are we not at the end of this episode? Follow us on Twitter at 2020TwilightPod. <laughs> M is at M of many names. I am Sarah S. Wilton. Give us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020TwilightPod. Um, please reach out to us on Twitter if you have any comments, questions, concerns, ideas, suggestions. Um, if you have a book series that you would really like to see us read, please message us. Our DMs are always open. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we got a couple new followers on Twitter recently, and I was so excited. Um, and I want to see that happen more because we love to interact with people online. If you go on our page, it is literally just us, like, tweeting at people who have tweeted at us. We love to hear from you. Aerith and Tifa should be together. Oh, my God. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.